Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Shout out to the title sponsor of the big show. That is Big O, Big O Tires. Stop in to your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for the lowest price tires and pay nothing today. Options, Big O Tires, the team you trust. I'm going to talk to Tanner Mangum, uh, former BYU quarterback, uh, coming up here uh, in just a moment. Uh, we had... Uh, we had a suggestion we've got to talk to Tanner about from our guy uh, Carl out there in the Twitterverse about uh, getting Jumpman to jump on board with uh, Mason Wake, our guy, who you'll hear from <laughs> tomorrow. With Wake's Takes, another edition coming up. Uh, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Uh, Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum with us on The Big Show. What's going on, Tanner? What's up, guys? How you, how y'all doing? Uh, we're doing pretty good. What do you think about that for uh, for a jump man getting in the Mason Wake business? Uh, how he's just leaping defenders uh, in pretty much every game. What do you think about that? It seems on brand to me. I saw Squally Canada, uh, who has started his, his own apparel t-shirt business, is going to start producing some Air Wake shirts. Uh, I think those are going to be um, a hot commodity down in Provo. So, Tanner, let's start with uh, what we thought was the play of the game, obviously, with the uh, interception and Tyler Algier flies down the field and does the tomahawk chop on the uh, on the uh, defender and loosens the ball and uh, BYU gets the ball back. I don't think I've ever seen a play quite like that one. What did you think? Oh, I mean, I think everyone's been talking about that since, since it happened on Saturday ad nauseum. But, I mean, how can you not? It was one of the most remarkable football plays I think I've ever witnessed. Um, certainly one of the greatest uh, defensive, offensive turn defensive plays in, in the history of BYU football. I mean, what an emotional roller coaster. At first, I was uh, just so um, shocked, honestly, to, to see Jaron throw that. Uh, I was just, you know, telling him, yelling to, to throw, throw it away and. But then to see Tyler Algier just hawk the defender and force that fumble, and then for Jaron, the one who threw the guy who threw the pick to then fall back on the ball, um, just incredible. I mean, this speaks to Tyler's heart and his determination and hustle. And uh, yeah, it was just it was amazing. And honestly, the play of the game, it, it saved the game, and definitely a play that will be looked back on uh, for years to come. I'm glad you mentioned the Jaron part of it, and and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because he had to hustle, right, to be in position to make that play. I mean, he really had to go. As a quarterback, after you throw an interception, I would guess you just want to climb into a hole, right? Not <laughs> like I, I was impressed. It shows heart to me, I guess. Let me put it that way. No, it's one of the worst feelings in the world. Trust me, I know. I threw a lot of them. <laughs> it's one of the worst feelings in the world to throw an interception and to be chasing the, the defender who – who picked you off, but it's something that's drilled into you. I, I mean, honestly, since as a, as a kid, I mean, it's, it's part of the game. It's, if you throw an interception, you don't give up on the play. You, you keep going, you, you go and make a tackle. You try and um, see what you can do. And in this case, it, it paid off. It's a good thing. He didn't give up on the play I and mean, he was on the ground, but he got back up and started running. 
And then if you watch the film, he, he honestly started slowing down just a hair as, he, as the defender was, was, was getting closer to the end zone. And it ended up being perfect that he did because then when the ball was punched out, it fell right underneath him. And so it's just, it's just a good thing that, I mean, it's not surprising at all that, that he would do that, but it's a good thing that he, he, uh, he had the heart, the wherewithal to, uh, to, to keep going after it and, and recover that fumble. So, Tanner, uh, there were similarities between what happened against Utah and what happened here in this game with BYU preserving its victory with that clutch drive at the end. And uh, it didn't surprise me that BYU wasn't going to put the ball in the air over that time. It surprised me maybe that they could pound it down the field the way they did. But when BYU needed that to pick up that first down and Jaron Hall took off running the play on which he had the uh, wind knocked out of him, as he said, and he had to leave the game, it looks to me like when you're close to the goal line, you can call on him to do that whenever you want, and it looks like it would be effective. However, you don't want to risk the injury, so it's, BYU's got to sit there. A-Rod has to sit there and go, okay, what do I do? When is it worth it to turn him loose and when isn't it? I know. I mean, it's what we. T- it's just like what we talked about last week. I have been really impressed with how Jaron has balanced his running and and his throwing, because I I think a reason the reason why he's so effective is particularly this season in his in his running game is because he doesn't do it all the time. If he if he were to do it all the time, defenses would start to uh, make adjustments. They would keep a spy in there. They would change their front. They would change the way they they uh, they they attack zone read they defend zone read they would change the way that they uh, defend him but because it's it's just a few times a game in a way he kind of lulls him to sleep a little bit he makes him forget that he has that ability and so that was a perfect example of just of using it at the most opportune time but unfortunately it showed the risk that comes along with it and that's the one thing I said when, when um, you know, he was named the starter. If, if he can stay healthy and have a full healthy season, I think he can put together a great year. Um, but if he gets hurt, which he's shown he's, he's prone to, it, it could spell trouble. It's a good thing that the injury wasn't worse. It's a good thing that he'll be back. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to need him and they're going to need that, that rushing ability if they're going to continue on this uh, magical run that they're putting together. What is uh, Coach Roderick doing um, that is working with Jaron Hall? I guess, uh, you know, it, this is certainly a different offense than Zach Wilson ran, and, of course, you're going to adjust based on uh, on who you've got uh, pulling the trigger. But what is uh, working within this offense for Jaron Hall? Yeah, so there were two drives, really, that I think kind of tell the story of what, what's working well and what's not working quite as well. And they happened at the end of the first half. It was the, the second-to-last drive of the of – the, uh, first half where they um, drove down the field in impressive fashion, taking deep shots, um, incorporating some, some trick plays, some play action passes. Very, it was very aggressive. It was very creative play calling. It was dynamic concepts. And it, it ended with a touchdown pass to uh, Isaac Rex which, by the way, we've talked about, that's how the tight ends are going to get involved. They're not going to be the most involved in down the field, stretching the field, but they can get involved in those play-action passes and those, uh, those trick plays. So that was a great drive that just allowed Jaron to push the ball down the field, uh, but then also use his legs when, when he needs to. Uh, it kept the defense on their heels. They didn't know what was coming. It was just it was 
deep shot after deep shot. It was it was awesome to see. But then it was the, the last drive before, before the second half where all of a sudden the play calling changed. They started doing uh, some jet sweeps, started running the ball a little bit more, started slowing it down. The tempo was different, and it just felt like a different offense. And I, and I, I felt like it was a disservice to the team and to the offense when they had clearly shown that Arizona State had no answers for what they were giving them. They couldn't be stopped. But then by changing up the scheme and trying to address the run game and trying to develop the jet sweeps while well-intentioned, I don't think was the most uh, effective um, play calling to help to help the offense succeed the way it did in the drive before. And then it ended up leading to an interception at the end of the half. So, I, honestly, I felt like a, a huge 14-point swing could have gone into the half going up 28-7 or 24-7, but instead it ended up being 21-14. And, um, but so I, I think if they can stick to what they did on that second-to-last drive, I think they'll be tough to stop. And uh, that's, that's where, that's where Jaron, that's his sweet spot when he can play loose, play free, push the ball down the field, run when, uh, when, when the defense is, is not expecting it. And I think if they can be more consistent with that, they'll be tough to defend. So two plays I'd like to hone in on here a little bit, Tanner, and get your thoughts on them. Uh, the first one was the handoff and double pitch thing back to Jaron Hall. And he, Throws that 34-yard pass to, who was it, Romney, I believe it was. Uh, I mean, that's some of that trickeration you were talking about. And then the final scoring play for the Cougars, when Baylor-Romney faces that situation and he uh, completes that touchdown pass to Isaac Rex, uh, the second touchdown to Isaac Rex. What do you think of those two plays? Well, the first one you mentioned was huge. Uh, I mean, first of all, it was a great play by Jaron to to stay poised in the pocket. He had some pressure in his face. And also shout-out to Neil Pau, uh, who stayed in after, after pitching it back to Jaron, got just enough of the defender to keep him off of Jaron. That was a huge play right there, kind of an unsung part uh, of, of that of that touchdown pass was, was Neil giving them just enough protection. Uh, because if you're going to make a play play like that work, the offensive line and the receivers involved have to provide time for Jaron, um, and and it's stuff like that that's so great to see. Like that that's the type those, those are the types of plays that BYU needs to keep relying on to uh, to keep the defense on their heels. You know BYU is not going to ground and pound with the best of them. They're not going to um, you know it, it's 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 my opinion. It's how it's always been. Um, they're not going to be able to, you know, establish, be be the strongest team up front. They need to continue to go no huddle. They need to continue to mix things up, push the tempo, uh, keep the defense guessing. Don't allow them to dial up blitzes and and uh, and get get their rest. And the, and then when you when you come up with a play with a shot like that, that that just demoralizes the defense and keeps them keeps them guessing for the rest of the game. So that was awesome, and and really it was a huge momentum boost there. And then the last play that you mentioned with Baylor's Romney's Baylor's touchdown pass to to Isaac Rex. I mean, what a gutsy call! Um, I had a feeling there was a, there was a part of me as as they I called the timeout. We were waiting to see what what was happening. I was thinking, you know, do you do you just run the ball, keep the clock moving, don't even give them a chance to stop the clock, um, or do you put your trust in Baylor and get a touchdown and put the nail in the coffin. And I had a feeling they were going to do that. I think that's just, that's Kalani's aggressive mindset. He loves going for it. He loves 
um, you know, taking shots. I, and I think especially when you have Baylor in there who has experience, he's been in situations like this before. Uh, you know, it's, it's a risky call to have that be his first throw. That's Let's put Tanner on hold for a second. Yeah, see you. if we can't uh, get a better connection. That was weird. I, it just went from crystal clear to gone. <laughs> Usually we hear it break up a little bit and struggle and then go. Well, he's talking about that three-yard touchdown pass, and it was risky uh, to do it that way, but they knew that if they had a play they liked, uh, th- that they could uh, close the game down, and that's what they chose to do. How, I wonder how hard it is. We'll ask Tanner this when we get him back. How hard is it to come off the bench like that and throw a pass like that? Well, he's the dude to ask because yeah. he had a pretty famous come yeah. in off the bench and, you know, 30, 30 minutes off his mission <laughs> coming and play against well, uh, and, and Nebraska. Look, if Baylor Romney hadn't put that ball right where it was, it could have been picked off and it could have been run back for a 100 yard touchdown. But he he didn't. He put it where he needed to, and Isaac Rex made the catch, and BYU wins. But I like the guts of it, though. You heard Tanner kind of alluding to that. You yeah. know, it's kind of a gutsy call. You got to have confidence. I like it. Well, it paid off big time. Uh, Tanner, you back with us? We lost you there for a moment. I think I'm back. I'm so sorry about that. Not sure what happened. Uh, yeah. Gordon asked you asked that question we were just talking about. On that play you were describing, and then we then it sounded like you went to Mars. Uh, t- <laughs> t- tell us what it's like, and you're uniquely qualified, maybe uh, not in the exact same way, but in a way similar to that, for Baylor Romney to come off the bench and be called upon not just to not fumble the ball on the exchange, but to actually put the ball in the air and put it exactly where it had to be for the game clincher. Uh, how tough is that when you're cold coming off the bench? That's extremely tough. That's one of the reasons why I thought they might not do it, being that that would be his first pass of the game. And here it is at the very end of the game. Do you have? I mean, that, that takes guts to, to, one, make that call, and then, two, go in and make the throw. And it was a perfect throw, perfectly, perfect location, only where Isaac could get it. And, I mean, honestly, that's one of those times where when you're called upon, you immediately have to get a few throws in on the sideline to make sure that your arm is warm when you've been sitting on the sideline all game. But, I mean, that's why I, I give credit to Baylor for being poised, feeling confident enough to go and make that play. And then, of course, for the coaches for allowing the team to go out and be aggressive and really put the nail in the coffin. Tanner, I want to ask you about the Utes, if I could. They switched quarterbacks mid-game, and uh, the offense looked much better under Rising. What did you think about uh, what you saw from those guys? Yes, I, I watched the entire game, and, and it was painful to watch at first. Uh, it, it just there, There's a lot of concerns I have with the scheme there, the, the offensive system that, that Utah is running. Um, you know, I think they have some talented players, but they're not being put in the right positions that really helps them take advantage of the defense's weakness. And what, what I guess what I mean by that is that you, you watch the plays and there's never a, a concept or a, a scheme where you go, you watch it and you go, wow, that was a great scheme that really helped the offense get into a better position. Well, that was a great uh, concept that allowed the receivers to really confuse the defense there. There's nothing that's dynamic or creative or um, 
tough to defend. It's, it's it's all very basic stuff. And then when you can compound that with with the uh, with questionable decision making by Brewer, it's just a recipe for for disaster. And, decision making and then lack of accuracy as well just his accuracy was not there and then immediately once rising came in i mean it was almost beyond just x's and o's it was an infusion of energy there's he played with a little bit of swagger he had an energy about him um and i think once you start feeling confident and making plays that just that just um exponentiates you start to, to feel it across the team um and 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 I think they, they, they're going to have a controversy done in Salt Lake now. I mean, do you go back to, to Brewer or do you stick with Rising? You stick with the hot hand. I mean, in my opinion, you stick with the hot hand. He showed some moxie. He showed poise. He made some great throws. And um, But I, I, it's, it, you, you can just tell Utah doesn't have that same type of attitude that they've had in, in years past on both sides of the ball. There's just kind of a lack of energy there, a lack of – uh, swagger that they typically carry themselves with. And so I think they're kind of searching for an identity, uh, searching for leaders to step up, and we'll see how they do riding the ship moving forward. That's exactly what Kyle Whittingham said as far as the offense needs to find an identity. Did you notice a difference as far as play calling once Rising was in the game? Is it a little unfair to criticize Charlie Brewer when it seemed as though uh, Cam Rising was getting more opportunities to shine, or am I am I wrong on that? No, no, that, that's, it's a valid point, and I did have that same thought. It happens a lot um, where they, they they pull the starter, they put in the backup because things aren't working, and then they instantly change the play calling, and they start being more aggressive, and they start pushing the envelope a little bit. One, one because they're kind of desperate. Two, because they feel like, what do they have to lose? And I think that's, that's kind of what happened, where obviously Rising was getting a little bit more opportunities to push the ball down the field. He was um, playing, I think, with a little bit more aggressive play calling, which, which helps. But at the same time, Brewer had his opportunities. He had his chances. He had his, his throws down the field that were just way off. He had throws down the sideline that were, were not, you know, not close to being completed. He had uh, throws that he missed. He had plays that he that he didn't make. Um, and and so that you have to take that into account. And then Rising made the most of his opportunities quick. You know, as soon as he was thrown in there, he immediately started completing passes. And once you start completing passes, the, the coordinator trusts you more. And once, once you get that confidence and you start getting uh, trusted, then the OC feels like they can open it up a little more, and, um, and then the, the momentum can take care of itself. And I think you saw a perfect example of that where Rising came in, got hot, and then from there the, the offense could, could be a little bit more aggressive. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that Brewer couldn't take advantage of, of his opportunities, but we'll see um, what they decide to do. Uh, like I said, I would go with the high hand here in the in the, com- in the coming weeks. So, <clears throat> if BYU can beat South Florida, which I think probably the three of us uh, agree that uh, they can, and Utah State can beat Boise State, by the time we talk to you next week, Tanner, we will we could be talking about two undefeated teams going head to head in Logan on Friday night. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> That would be great. I, I, I mean, I think it might happen. Uh, who knows? I mean, Boise State had a tough, tough loss on Saturday with, with Oklahoma State. That, that could be. I hope it happens because that rivalry, that Utah State BYU rivalry, is, is a fun one. And I think, especially in recent years, it's kind of gone back and forth a little bit. Um, and so it could be could be loud up there in Logan, uh, Maverick Stadium. We'll see how it plays out. Um, 
but I mean, I know BYU, they're, they, they, they have a great shot. I think they have a legitimate shot. Uh, running, running the table this year. I think there's a couple tough matchups that they have to worry about. Definitely can't overlook the Utah State game because you just never know. Boise State, same thing. You, you can't overlook them ever. Uh, Virginia, I think, will be a tough one uh, in Provo, especially with the emotions going into that game with Broncos' return to Provo. Um, but I think it, there's a legitimate shot that, B, that BYU could be undefeated going into that final contest against USC. Um, which would be just in, incredible uh, to see. I mean, not a lot of people expected BYU to come out of this three-run stretch, three and zero. Um, so we'll see if they can keep that keep that momentum going. Who are you more uh, more surprised that they are undefeated at this point, BYU or Utah State? Um, probably Utah State. If I'm being honest, I, I think uh, while many people didn't expect BYU to. Um, to be undefeated, I think all three games were winnable. You know, it could have gone either way. I, I, and obviously, three Pac-12 opponents in, in a row—that it, it, can be tough to start off your season with it. But um, I think Utah State, as far as compared to last year, you know, we knew BYU was going to be good overall. They had such a great season last year. They had a lot of um, you know momentum. Utah State really struggled last year. So then to to, to uh, turn it around. And be three and zero this year. I think that to me, that's the bigger surprise. Tanner, as always, thank you for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. And apologies for the mishap earlier. <laughs> oh, all good, buddy. We appreciate you. Thanks. That's our friend Tanner Mangum. Uh, jumps on with us every single Monday. Good stuff from Tanner. Always good on on BYU. I thought his uh, I thought his insight on Utah and that quarterback situation was uh, useful. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, he broke that down with candor and uh, really did a nice job. Pretty sharp dude, that Tanner Mangum. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we love it uh, that he can jump on with us on Mondays. He's great. So big thanks to uh, to Tanner Mangum for doing that. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.